Welcome to Pathways to Hope and Healing, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals, but licensed counselors are available at the Nampa Family Justice Center. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, or elder abuse, please call the Nampa Family Justice Center at 208-475-5700 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Pathways to Hope and Healing. I'm Corey Michaels, along with my friend and co-host, Angela Weeks, the president of the Nampa Family Justice Foundation and retired detective. Hello. Hello, Corey. How are you today? I, You know what? I am wonderful. I always look forward to our time spent together. Me too. I love the different people that we get to bring in, the different yes. topics we've been covering. Um, looking forward to sharing with our listeners today. Well, it's it, this is one of those things, and we've talked about it before. Uh, the subjects that we're talking about are tough. Absolutely. Um, and, but what we want everyone who's listening to take out of each and every one, whether it's survivor stories, services, and and people that are available with the Nampa Family Justice Center, is that there is hope. Absolutely. There is hope. There is healing, just like the name, and you're not alone. Exactly. Exactly. Now, who do we have today? Well, I am super excited. The way you just introduced that, I'm like, you set that up completely perfect for her. (laughs) So Tylene um, works with us at the Family Justice Center. I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about her role. But she is just, you you talk about hope and healing in our facility and what she does with our counseling program and our Camp Hope program. Um, Tylene, how long have you been with the Justice Center now? January will be 16 years. So I was the first counselor that started since the very beginning. So, yeah. Yeah. She's one of our originals and just one of our cornerstones of the work that is done at the Family Justice Center. When we talk about um, being off offering support and healing and counseling, um, but that program's grown so much since you started, Tylene. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, it was crazy. I When I first started, there was this idea of you'll start seeing domestic violence victims because we had just started and opened. I would schedule eight people and maybe two would show up. So I was able to do a lot of research into what does this even look like to be a counselor dealing with these difficult issues. So plenty of time to do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, another thing that I really appreciate is that, um, you know, Tylene and I, in the years that we've worked at the Justice Center and just the years we've been in our profession, um, have been really able to see the impact of this work on the professionals that we work with, law enforcement counselors, our advocates, the medical staff. And the conversation we really wanted to have today was just talking about what vicarious trauma looks like in those who care for others and how we can care for ourselves. 
Yeah, it's been a journey from the beginning to now as far as like working with um, victim survivors of all ages. So three-year-olds on up to elder abuse victims. And so doing the frontline work, but then also seeing the impact that it has on all the people who work with these clients because we're hearing their stories, we're hearing their details. Feels like you're kind of living it with them sometimes as you're hearing the struggles they go through, especially safety concerns that come up. Um, and we've lost clients, and it's devastating. So the mental health of our staff is huge. So that's where the vicarious trauma comes into effect is it's impacting those who are helping in the helping professions, and they can almost take on the post-traumatic stress and vicarious trauma of the clients they work with. You know, um, I have the opportunity to train a lot of law enforcement officers, Corey, and one of the biggest things, I always want to have this conversation with them because as law enforcement officers, we are actually killing ourselves at a higher rate than we are being killed by those that we're working cases on or that are shooting at officers because of vicarious trauma, um, because of all the unhealthy things that people can turn to when they don't realize Mm-hmm. the impact of, you know, the cost of caring, if you will. Yeah. And there are just higher suicide rates too, for first responders, you know, to people who are seeing it firsthand. And, and what we do at the justice centers, we have advocates who are working with clients. We have all the different entities and partners that are working with them, but police officers, um, paramedics, all the frontline workers who see it are seeing a lot of death and it's, devastating. So it impacts everybody a little bit differently. But the more that we hear the stories, the more those visual images come up. And that's where that carryover effect is when you're home at night, and you're trying to go to sleep, and you're seeing those images come up. And that's, that's the danger zone, you know, when you get into where you're helping so much that it's deteriorating who you are and your ability to keep helping. And now for you, what fills your cup? What, what do you do to be able to release some of that? question. I, I, you know, have learned along the way to have really good boundaries that when I close the door to my office, I'm closing the door to that chapter at this point in time. So I am leaving that spot and I'm moving on to my family life and can get replenishment there. So exercise, long baths, um, being able to verbally process with people that I feel safe with. Those are outlets and things that I need to help me get through. So it's the self-care and boundaries that are huge. If you don't have those, then it's easy to burn out to get that compassion fatigue which is also part of vicarious trauma, where you just don't care anymore. You're kind of numb to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now for your, for the folks that you work with and your staff and what do you, what do you tell them as far as being able to, because, you know, we talk about first responders and and we talk about the, the frontline workers that are right there and are intimately involved in these a lot of times uh, heinous and horrendous crimes. But the people that are trying to get their loved ones to seek help and to help them in some way, they're also experiencing it without any training whatsoever to know what to to do for themselves. So what do you tell your staff to do? Yeah, and, and it is, it's the trickle down effect, right? When you have one person who's experiencing that abuse, their family members are impacted. So we're doing counseling, we're doing groups um, to be able to help support uh, family members. And then as far as staff, 
I'm so blessed to be at this place. Like it just the, how we function, the way we work together, the teamwork, the collaboration of, Hey, there's a need here. Let's really focus on the strengths and areas of expertise with everybody here at our center. So we do strength finders, we do disc assessments, we do team building, self-care. And part of that is like, let's all do the same things we would do with clients. So let's do some mindfulness. Let's do progressive muscle relaxation. Let's watch these videos and let's Let's do some yoga stretches, whatever that is to be able to take care of us. Let's take the time to do that. And we do that on a monthly basis, um, which I think is so impactful. And just this last week, um, there was a death that happened with one of our uh, clients. And so it's the ability to be called on to be able to be, can you do a debrief with some of these ones that are impacted by this loss because it's affecting them. And so providing even counseling for staff there to make sure you have what you need. Let's put you in some EMDR therapy, which is a specialized trauma therapy that can help people through difficult situations like these and are used with post-traumatic stress. Let's get them into counseling, though. Let's give them what they need to get through. You know, what? I, one of the big things I love about what you just said, Tylene, is um, it's a team of people. Mm-hmm. When you have people who can help you carry the weight um, where you feel like um, even when you're dealing with difficult things, when you're seeing tragedy, when you're hearing the situations that people are dealing with, or when you unfortunately have a death of somebody who has been a client, right. um, to have a team of support and an avenue where, because when you can talk to other people who have a sh- shared common experience, um, that for me gives me strength to know I'm not the only one feeling or having problems sleeping or having problems eating or, you know, just having, you know, it's not just me that's having these issues, but, and there, and we can, we can deal with this as a whole and kind of move forward too. I love that about the justice center. Well, and we, we, as we were saying at the starting is the biggest thing that we want people to know that are experiencing trauma is they're not alone exactly and so that it goes for this this is a prime example of that as well anyone that's having any type of trauma it's so easy to start feeling like i'm the only one experiencing this no one can possibly understand what i'm going through i am alone in this suffering but you're not whether you're someone experiencing d- domestic violence uh, of whatever form or someone that is helping, you know, that is caring. And obviously for the staff there, these are loving human beings. Absolutely. These are caring human beings. And so with that, they're opening themselves up. And yeah, there's a straight, you know, portal to their hearts and to their psyche because they are open and loving and that's how they're able to be effective for the clients. Yeah. And a lot of people get into this field, um, maybe because they've had some experience, right? They've had their own family, um, domestic violence, trauma, sexual abuse. And so they get into it because they want to pay it forward and help others. And what I would encourage people to do, I have interns that I supervise there too, because, um, it's, it's the staff, it's the, it's the interns, it's the counselors making sure everybody's okay, but they need to do their own work. So you may need to do your own counseling as you're feeling triggered with people talking about things. If you've had your own experience, there's a high likelihood that you're going to experience at some point, somebody's story is going to feel like yours. So you have to do the work and you have to keep talking through it and rely on those supportive people. Yeah. 
I really feel like conversations around vicarious trauma are finally getting movement, especially with first responders. Um, you know, it used to be, you know, if something would happen and they would force, I put that in air quotes for those of you who can't see me, um, you know, force us to go to counseling. We thought it meant we were weak. We thought it meant all these other things instead of realizing it was a healthy way to deal with things. Um, so much so that I actually remember when my um, person, the person's crime division I was part of when we were testing for new hires and we were bringing them up, um, some of the conversations, they just got to sit and ask us questions about what it would be like to be an detective division and one I remember one of my guys saying here's the first thing you need to do find yourself a good counselor before you come to this division because you're going to need to take care of yourself and to ha- have that be a conversation that we're really having and that there's you know there's nothing wrong with that and we should be doing that if we want to continue to take care of other people we have to take care of ourselves yes yeah, and there's definitely different types of counselors out there too, and it's finding the right fit, you know, for you too, because there are very nurturing, caring, you know, counselors, and there are ones that are more fact based, you know, too, and like let's work through this. And I'm a caring, empathetic person. The biggest thing though is we have to separate their story from us. Yes, you know, and so if that can't happen, then you know that really makes it challenging, and you're more likely to have that vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue because you're putting too much of your own life into that other person. And so we have to have that separation, you know, too, of like, I can contain your information, I can hold that, but I need to close that up and let it go for the next person that I'm able to help so that I can maintain my own balance to be able to be in this profession. Yeah. Now, someone who's listening right now that does have a loved one that is going through uh, whatever their, their story is and is trying, you know, from the outside to be there and be strong and be caring for this person while they work through their journey to hopefully getting to that point of of finding help, to reaching out to the Nampa Family Justice Center, to counseling, to someone uh, to be able to do something to get them out of this situation. What advice would you give to those loved ones that are listening that are like, I'm exhausted I'm just, this drains me every day and I don't know what to do. And those are a lot of clients I see. Um, it, it is that place of like, what's yours to hold on to and what do you need to let go of? What is your responsibility versus the other person's? And that's that whole idea of like, you have to teach a person to fish. You can't do it for them, right? It's that whole yeah. concept of putting your own mask on first before you help somebody else's take care of you. That's the best way you can help somebody else. Give them the supports and resources, but don't do it for them. They have to figure their own way out. They have to have choice. That's that's what's empowering for people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I can't tell you how many times I've worked a case where I've had a sister or a parent or somebody else come in where we're referring them to their own counseling. Um, again, taking care of yourself so you can help take care of the people that you love. Right. And it is, I, I've seen more and more, uh, again, through, I think, the stage of what I have done for counseling is the direct um, client work, and now it's family member work, and now a lot of the clients I see are professionals. I see counselors. I'm seeing, I feel like, half the nurses in the Treasure Valley with COVID. Um, there are so many situations that on my outside practice that just seeing people in all different levels of trauma, mm-hmm. you know, too, that are being impacted by those around them, too, and so it's it's helping the helping professionals, you know, it's becoming more and more evident, and so whether you're a counselor or not, too. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a great point because people sometimes think, well, that's your job. 
it's your job to counsel. It's your job to be on that ambulance. It's your job to be at the front desk of the Family Justice Center. It's your job to work patrol. Um, just do your job. But that job comes with a price. And yeah. um, especially people who are in that helping profession, those nurses, the doctors. Um, and so really having honest conversation around the vicarious trauma and identifying it for what it is, because we don't want to lose people in our profession. Right. We, we don't want people to turn to alcohol or to drugs or to lose their careers over coping mechanisms, unhealthy coping mechanisms they've chose when there's an option for something yeah. else. Yeah, and there's so many areas to, you know, check into and follow up with self-care-wise, too. Physically, what are you doing for self-care? Spiritually, what are you doing emotionally? What are your support systems? What are your resources? What do you have within you that helps you get through difficult situations? And that, those are the resiliency factors, yes. right? Those are, do you have at least one supportive person in your life that you can share with? You know, so those are such important things in dealing with vicarious trauma, too. And, and what we see with kids and, you know, the different experiences they've been through is we all need support and we need to have a good sense of self and self-worth and things that we feel good about. You had mentioned earlier finding that right fit for someone, for a counselor. And really, that's it's almost kind of an interview of sorts you know you go meet with someone just because you meet with them doesn't mean you have to that's going to be your person um you'll know if that if that clicks if it works if it's this person that you feel comfortable with but what would you say as far as you know if you have to go through a few few people to find that one that you think you're really going to be able to connect with yeah, and I think that idea of you go and you see somebody, you meet with them for intake, and I always give the disclosure to any new client that I have is, if I am not the right fit for you, please go find whoever that is, because this is not about me, it's about your healing. So you have to feel safe and comfortable to explore all of these things that you're going through, you know, with, with whoever you feel comfortable with. So yeah, gauge it, see how you feel, trust that gut instinct, you know, after meeting with a counselor to see if you want to follow up or maybe even give them, you know, three sessions and see if things change or if they're any different or are you ready? Cause sometimes people will come in and they're not quite ready to deal with all the things um, that they have to deal with, especially if they've had severe levels of trauma. It's just, it's almost too much for them. And so come back when you're ready. The door's always open. Even if you drop out of counseling, you're welcome back. And so that's, I think, an important thing for people to know and hear is if you choose not to come back this session, it doesn't mean the door's closed and you can never come back here. Yeah. You know, I think from my own personal experience, um, twice in my career, um, I was forced to go see a counselor by the Nampa Police Department just because of some pretty horrific cases that I had worked in a really short period of time. And neither one of the counselors, I didn't know anything about being trauma-informed at that time, which is key when you when you are experience trauma. It should be somebody that can help you walk through and understand, help you understand what the, your trauma, how your body and your brain are processing right. that trauma. But um, they also weren't used to working with um, 
care, you know, caregivers, if you will, first responders. Um, and it, it wasn't beneficial for me, but I gave up. I gave up really quick. I went to those first ones that are like, oh, you have great coping skills. And I kind of went on my way. But um, I'll tell you the value of finding a counselor who really does understand you. You'll know when you find yourself telling them things that you're like, how did you get me to say that? You know, <laughs> how did you, I never thought I would share that with somebody. And that's where the real growth and the real healing and the, you know, uh, the real transformation happens um, during counseling. That is the best part of the job. That's why I do this work is because I have this insight into people's lives that not everybody gets to hear about. I think that is the most exciting thing. And to let them know there is nothing wrong with you. It's this experience that you've been through and we're going to get through this together. I'm on this journey alongside with you. And so as you share these things, like I'm going to help you, but this, these are your choices. I'm never going to give you advice on what you need to do. Your choice is your life. I'm just here with you. Yeah. And, and such, I mean, just to have that one more person that you can share that experience with um, and m move on, hopefully, from that experience. So that's not what defines you. Yeah, and it is really, you know, Angela had brought up trauma-informed counselors. So that has been kind of a big area of you have the right to ask questions, to say, what is your experience working with trauma? Have you worked with very many people who've experienced this? What is your training? What type of therapies do you do? Do you actually talk about the trauma? Because not everybody does or are comfortable with it. And it's like, oh, I've done a trauma training, so I'm trauma-informed. There needs to be you know, specific work and training in this area because it's, it's unique on its own. It's a definite niche area. Yeah, and exactly what you were talking about, Corey, interviewing your counselor, yeah. making sure they're the right fit for you for what your need is. Ask yeah. them those questions. Well, you would do this for your real estate agent or for, you know, all these different areas of your life. Well, this is arguably the most important decision you could make right? in a lot of ways. So uh, I think the biggest thing to take out of our our episode this time is take care of yourself so that you're able to take care of the people that you that you love yeah and I, I will just add just as far as like noticing vicarious trauma and when that might be impacting you if you are seeing things like numbing not wanting to go to work avoidance not sleeping at night you're eating being impacted your relationships and irritability if life is changing your emotions and behaviors watch out for that, pay attention to it. That might be your sign or indicator that you need additional support and help to work through this. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming down and spending time with us on this episode. And we look forward to having you be a part of our next episode of Pathways to Hope and Healing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pathways to Hope and Healing. Again, if you or someone you know have experienced domestic abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the Nampa Family Justice Center at 208-475-5700. Search the Nampa Family Justice Center on Facebook and Instagram for more conversations. If you have suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard in today's episode, contact us through the email at fjc at cityofnampa.us.